Candace Owens and I trend on Twitter for pointing out that Harry Styles wearing a dress isn't acting all that masculine. Georgia finds 2,600 more votes, most of them for President Trump, and Democrats put more lockdowns on the table. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Okay, we'll get to everything newsy in one moment. But first, there are a thousand reasons why protecting your home matters to you. For me, I want to keep an eye on my kids. I have three under seven. And that means it's hard for me to keep an eye on all of them at once. This is why I love my Ring devices. I also want to know who is at my front door at all times. When somebody rings the doorbell, I can pick up from anywhere and tell who exactly is outside my house. Ring has security products for every corner of your home inside and out. Best of all, you can see it all in one simple app with Ring. You can keep an eye on your home no matter where you are right from your phone. If somebody stops by or something is going on, Ring will let you know. It's peace of mind anytime knowing your home is protected. Whatever you call home, Ring has everything you need to protect it. It's the reason, there's a reason why when my wife and I moved homes, the first thing she did was request that we get our Ring devices put in place. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit today at ring.com slash Ben. That is ring.com slash Ben. It comes with that Ring Video Doorbell 3 and the Chime Pro. It's the perfect way to start your Ring experience. Go to ring.com slash Ben. Again, that is ring.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. And you get the special deal on the Ring Welcome Kit. That Ring Video Doorbell 3 and the Chime Pro. It is the perfect way to start that Ring experience. Ring.com slash Ben. We begin at this hour with a piece of good electoral news. Our friend Burgess Owens, NFL veteran and, uh, and Republican, has defeated Representative Ben McAdams, who is the only Democrat in Utah's congressional delegation. He conceded his race to Burgess Owens on Monday. That makes Owens the 12th GOP challenger to unseat his incumbent Democratic opponent during the 2020 election as the Republican Party continues to cut into the Democrats' House majority. This is Tim Pierce at Daily Wire reporting. Owens announced that McAdams had conceded the race in a tweet on Monday evening. He said, I received a call from McAdams. He expressed appreciation for the opportunity to serve the Utah 4th District and his commitment to a smooth transition. My sincere thanks to him for both. Thanks to my fellow Utahns. I am committed to have an open ear to serve you. Thank you for the opportunity. That is a big pickup. That was supposed to be a race that was fairly easily won by McAdams. And in the late polling, Burgess was down and he ended up winning the race, demonstrating once more that the Republican Party wildly outperformed expectations in this particular election. Nancy Pelosi wildly underperformed. The Democratic Party has a real problem on its hands, regardless of what happens in the presidential race, which again, there's still legal cases outstanding. Whatever happens there, Democrats have a real problem. They have a real problem so long as Republicans actually go out and vote in Georgia. So I'm going to remind you right now, if you are a Republican, you need to give money to David Perdue in Georgia and to Kelly Loeffler in Georgia, because the last thing that you want is the specter of a 50-50 Senate with presumably Kamala Harris presiding as Joe Biden's vice president and breaking ties. That is the last thing you could possibly want. Checking the ambitions of the Democratic Party is a must at this point. So you need to, like, there's no time to rest on your laurels. There is no time to fulminate about stuff that has already happened. Instead, you need to focus on what's coming up January 5th. There is a double election in Georgia. David Perdue, Kelly Loeffler, they deserve your support. They deserve your money. They deserve your time. The Democrats must be defeated in those Senate races. Okay, meanwhile, speaking of Georgia, yesterday, 2,600 votes were discovered in Floyd County. They had not originally been tallied, and um, they did reduce the deficit that Trump has uh, to Joe Biden in the state. According to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Trump could gain nearly 800 net votes from the discovered ballots. There were 1,643 new votes for Trump and 865 for Biden. According to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the problem occurred because county election officials did not upload votes from a memory card in a ballot scanning machine. This is according to Gabriel Sterling, the state's voting system manager. He called it an amazing blunder. He said the county's election director, sh director should resign. He said it's not an equipment issue. It's a person not executing their job properly. This is the kind of situation that requires a change at the top 
of their management side. The previously uncounted votes were cast during in-person early voting at the Floyd County Administrative Building, which includes the county elections office, said Luke Martin, chairman of the Floyd County Republican Party. Over half of the 5,000 printed out ballots cast on an optical scanner were not initially recorded. Martin said, it's very concerning. This doesn't appear to be a widespread issue. I'm glad the audit revealed it. It's important that all votes are counted. The ballots will be rescanned and tabulated before the results are finalized on Friday, said State Elections Director Chris Harvey. He said, you want every vote counted right the first time. That is one of the goals of the audit to identify problems. All the votes will be uploaded. The results will be what they are. So you know, the, the state is insisting that the audit is exactly what found it anyway, that it wasn't Trump putting pressure that found these additional votes. Eric Erickson tweeted out about this. He said this was a scanner malfunction. It wasn't a machine error per se, a human error in scanning ballots, but most counties still align identically with the machine count at this point. Right? He has an entire thread about Dominion voting systems in Georgia. And he, uh, he says that he talked with the Georgia Secretary of State about signature issue. He says that Georgia verified signatures for absentee ballot applications, not just the ballots themselves. The applications were matched with both the voter's driver's license and their voter registration card. And so Georgia's actually been attempting to verify that people requested the ballots legally. It's not just that they filled out the ballots legally, but that they requested the ballots legally. Apparently, Lindsey Graham asked specifically about this. This pissed off the Georgia Secretary of State, who then suggested openly that Lindsey Graham wanted to exclude legal ballots. It turns out that that's not true. Uh, but according to the, the, the guy's name is Raffensperger, this was reported by Mediaite. In their conversation, Graham questioned Raffensperger about the state's signature matching law and whether political bias could have prompted poll workers to accept ballots with non-matching signatures, according to Raffensperger. Graham also asked whether Raffensperger had the power to toss all mail ballots in counties found to have higher rates of non-matching signatures, according to Raffensperger. Raffensperger said he was stunned that Graham appeared to suggest that he find a way to toss legally cast ballots. That is not what Graham says. Graham says, no, 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 I was just asking if there is a way to toss ballots that are not legally requested or in which there is no way to verify the matching signature. In any case, the process is working as the process should work. Eric Erickson points out that all claims of dead people voting in Georgia have thus far been debunked. He says no dead person has actually voted in Georgia. He says, contrary to claims about Dominion voting systems, the hand count in Georgia aligned perfectly with the machine count. There could not have been hacked machines in Georgia altering votes for Joe Biden. That's according to Eric Erickson, uh, who does a show down there on WSB, obviously. Uh, the Biden camp, meanwhile, is... a. Uh, demonstrating full scale what the real corruption in this election was. And it has very little to do with the voting systems. Again, we have legal cases that are proceeding. We have allegations. Sidney Powell, the lawyer for President Trump, she has suggested that she is about to release the Kraken, which of course is a very colorful phrase. And here's my view of this. Go ahead and release it. Seriously, like we're all waiting. Like Republican, Democrat, everybody's waiting. The Democrats are waiting because they want to say that you're lying. And Republicans are waiting because the evidence would actually be really great at this point. You can make big allegations like that. Then it's time to actually release all the evidence that you've got, not do interviews about it, release the, I mean, it's not like we have a huge timeline here. I mean, we're going to get states certifying their election results as early as the end of this week or early next week. So like now would be the time to release the Kraken if you are going to do this. But the real corruption in the election is perfectly obvious. As I've said from the beginning, the real corruption in this election is the media. The media simply refused to cover anything they did not want to cover. And they just didn't cover it. According to Sam Stein, reporting about the Daily Beast, the Daily Beast had a piece all about Joe Biden online. Sam Stein, who reports for the Daily Beast now, he says, according to Biden campaign metrics, online chatter about the Hunter Biden story during the elections last week was greater than it was around Hillary's emails during the last month of 2016. The difference, it never spilled over into mainstream outlets. Oh, you think? Oh, you think? So the fact is that you are now bragging. The Biden campaign is now bragging that they were able to suppress information that was bad for Joe Biden. The mainstream media decided to do the dirty work of the Biden campaign by not allowing 
well-reported and factual stories to emerge into the public view because mainstream media never jumped on it. Mainstream media just decided it was more important to defeat Trump than to report truly reported stories. I mean, we all knew this was the case. The fact is that the Biden campaign and the media are one and the same. You can see it. Right? Joe Biden is now doing these press conferences and every question in the press conference is, how wonderful are you, Joe Biden? We are back to the Obama era. In the Obama era, the press walked around holding drool cups for Barack Obama. Now we are back there and they're walking around holding drool cups for Joe Biden, into which both of them are drooling, uh, drooling Biden because he's falling apart and the media because they're drooling over Joe Biden and then trying, straining to get themselves enthusiastic about Kamala Harris, which is uh, good luck with that, gang. According to the Daily Beast, fearing a redux of the disastrous end-of-campaign implosion of Hillary Clinton, the team dove further into the research. What they found was more assuring. While the Hunter Biden story had taken off on Facebook, YouTube, and various right-wing sites, it had not crossed over into mainstream outlets. The campaign's internal polling, meanwhile, showed that voters largely weren't persuaded by it. The wildfire ended up being mostly smoke, but even so, it provided the Biden campaign with yet another reminder about the perils that social media platforms present to Democrats as they traverse the modern political landscape. Let it be known, this is why Democrats are attempting to quash these social media companies. Democrats would love nothing better than for social media companies to act as their suppressive wing, stopping stories from trending, preventing people from disseminating information they do not like, right? That is the future of battle. That is the informational battle that we are going to be about to wage in this country. The platforms are now being perverted by Democrats. They're being threatened by Democrats that if they do not suppress information Democrats don't like, then Democrats themselves will go in and break up these major corporations or regulate those corporations. And these corporations, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, they are responding predictably by catering to the left and hoping for the goodwill of the right. They're responding by suppressing exactly the information the left wants and hoping that the right's focus in on free markets and free speech will prevent the right from siding with the left in regulating these companies. They can only count on the kindness of people who you're batting, who you're clubbing about the ears for so long. And there, there will be a breaking point here with the right. right? There's going to come a point where the right says to these social media companies, listen, we're like Batman at the end of Batman Begins. Right? We, we're not going to kill you, but we don't have to save you. And that is the direction in which all of this is moving. Okay, in just a minute, we are getting to the healing of the Democratic Party. And we have been told that this is a healing time, lots of healing going on, cultural healing. And we'll get to that healing in just one second. It does not appear that a lot of healing is going on. First, let us talk about your sleep quality. So I'll admit, my baby woke me up at 5.30 this morning. It was not fantastic. But between the time I went to bed and the time that my child awoke me, I did sleep well. Why? Because I was on a Helix Sleep mattress. Helix Sleep, they make a mattress just for you. It is personalized to you. They have a quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete, and they match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Whether you're a side sleeper or a hot sleeper, whether you like a plush or a firm bed, with Helix, there's no more confusion and no more compromising. Helix Sleep, it's rated the number one mattress by GQ and Wired Magazine. CNN has called it the most comfortable mattress they've ever slept on. Just head on over to helixsleep.com Ben. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. They've got a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you absolutely will. Helix is offering up to 200 bucks off all mattress orders for our listeners. Get up to 200 bucks off at helixsleep.com slash Ben. Again, that is helixsleep.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. You need a high quality mattress so your sleep quality is better. Why not have it personalized to you just like everything else in your life? We live in a time of personalization. Personalize the mattress that you are sleeping on eight hours a night. Go check them out right now. Helixsleep.com slash Ben and get up to 200 bucks off when you use that code helixsleep.com slash Ben. One final note when it comes to voting in Georgia and media bias. So the media have been trotting out this narrative ever since the election that Stacey Abrams won the state of Georgia for Joe Biden. Nope, nope. They just keep trying to make fetch happen. And fetch is not happening, guys. You can, you can keep saying this over and over and over, but fetch just not as thing, it's not a thing. 
Okay, according to Nate Cohn at the New York Times, Georgia is the first state where they now have a fully updated vote history. It shows the black share of the electorate falling to its lowest levels since 2006. So the black share of the electorate, black share of all voters, actually dropped precipitously from 2018 to 2020. The black share of the electorate in Georgia, it was about 29%. It dropped all the way down to 27% this time around. Okay, but we keep hearing that it was Stacey Abrams registering black voters all over the state that drove Joe Biden to victory. No, it was not. It was the suburbs. It was white suburban women did not vote for Donald Trump. And so Georgia went the wrong way for Donald Trump in the current vote count. Okay, but it's it's amusing to watch the media continue to prop up Stacey Abrams as a thing. She's not a thing. She never was a thing. She lost her gubernatorial race by 50,000 votes in that state. And then she went around claiming she was governor of Georgia. The DNC touted her as the the elected governor of Georgia after losing by 50,000 votes. And then if you say to the media, by the way, you know, you guys keep feeding Stacey Abrams, like F-E-T-I-N-G. You keep feeding Stacey Abrams. You keep praising her, even though she continues to maintain that she was ripped off and deprived of her gubernatorial seat in Georgia at the same time that she's going on TV claiming that Donald Trump is a whiner. You guys, this is you guys. You guys keep doing this. Like, no, 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 you're not allowed to talk about that. So just a data point there. Stacey Abrams was not, in fact, the person who drove Georgia out of the Republican lane in the presidential race. So please stop trying to make Stacey Abrams happen. It's not a thing. Okay, meanwhile, the Democrats have proclaimed it's a new era of healing and unity, right? This is Joe Biden's line. Joe Biden, after he, uh, after he gave his quasi-victory address, obviously precipitously, because not a single state has yet been declared, Joe Biden came out and he said that he's all for unity. It's time for America to come together and it's time to heal. So I have a question. At what point is he going to say to his own party, guys, you need to stop being jackasses? Hey, seriously, that'd be good. We talked about this yesterday. We had rioting and we had people beating each other up, BLM, Antifa in Washington, D.C. during this Trump rally over the weekend. And members of, of Joe Biden's own party are, are going around basically suggesting that everybody who disagrees with them is a member of the KKK. So at some point, is Joe Biden going to calm the waters on his own side? See, th- there used to be a thing called a sister soldier moment. Back during the 1992 campaign, there was a, a little known rapper named Sister Soldier, and she made some rather racially charged comments. And Bill Clinton kind of picked her out of a hat because he wanted to make this move. And he, he proceeded to make her famous by saying that this sort of rhetoric is not acceptable and not okay. Right? That was his move to the moderate lane, Bill Clinton's. Okay, well, when does Joe Biden actually move to the moderate lane by chiding people on his own side for castigating everybody who disagrees with them as a Klan member? So Ilhan Omar, right, truly a, a terrible human being. Ilhan Omar is a rabid anti-Semite. Um, there, there are credible allegations that she has repeatedly funneled a bevy of money to her, uh, to her boyfriend, or at least her boyfriend's firm, in violation of campaign finance law. We'll check out those allegations, but those allegations have been floating around for quite a while and seem to be mounting. In any case, Ilhan Omar, the person who poses on the cover of magazines with Nancy Pelosi before declaring that for the Jews, it's all about the Benjamins, she says that Donald Trump rallies are like Klan rallies. I can feel all the peace and the healing, can't you? So much peace and healing happening to speak about me at every single rally didn't really matter where he was Uh, sometimes multiple times in a day um, as he had held his clan rallies throughout the country oh they're clan rallies now you see when tens of thousands of people show up for rallies for donald trump those are clan rallies which is strange because there are a lot of people of color at those at those particular supposed clan rallies which don't actually seem a lot like clan rallies Okay, but it's not just Ilhan Omar. The media, obviously, believe this deeply as well. Brian Williams suggests that Trump voters are tyranny curious. Brian Williams on MSNBC. It's Trump voters who are are interested in tyranny, which is weird because I keep hearing from the Democratic Party that they want to run nearly every aspect of my life, but it's Trump voters who are tyranny curious. Here's Brian Williams, fake journalist. 
as you look at home from there and when you come home on your next visit, do you view it as a changed country because millions of people uh, decided maybe over time, like the frog boiling experiment, to become at least tyranny curious? See, you see, Trump voters are so now we know from Ilhan Omar that they are Klan members. Uh, we know from Brian Williams that Trump voters are tyranny curious. And we also know from Whoopi Goldberg that Republicans literally don't care if you die. They don't care at all. They want you to die. Now, this has been a line Democrats have been using ever since Paul Ryan. They literally cut an ad, I believe it was back in 2010, in which J Paul Ryan was like throwing an old lady off a cliff or something. In any case, here's Whoopi Goldberg suggesting that Republicans don't care if you die. I can feel the healing. Can you feel the healing power of love happening right now? I feel it. I feel it's, it's all warm and cuddly. And here's Whoopi Goldberg saying that the Republicans just want people to die. And that's what all of this is. And when you go into vote in Georgia, remember, this is the party that doesn't care if you drop dead because you can't breathe. <clears throat> Clearly, they know what has to happen and they're not doing it. Weird, because uh, I am reliably informed that half of the Democratic legislature of California just traveled over to Maui for a conference, and then traveled back and didn't quarantine. So, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, and by the way, a lot of people died in New York and New Jersey, and, but it's the Republicans. It's always the Republicans. Okay, in just a second, we're going to get to the gaslighting of the American people because at root, so much of what's going on is the gaslighting of the American people. It's an attempt to get you to shut up. There is a process that is used to get you to shut up, particularly if you are culturally conservative that we need to talk about. Okay, we'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that right now, guns are flying off the shelves. They have been flying off the shelves for a while. I wonder why. Might it be the fostering of chaos in America's major cities? Might it be the fact that the media and the Democratic Party are fully willing to overlook violence so long as it is violence that aligns with their political worldview? Well, whatever your reason, you might be looking for a gun. And when the framers wrote the Constitution, the first thing they did was to make sacred your right to keep and bear arms. Right? This is the thing that they, they were focused on at heart. They knew that all your other rights are protected by that particular right. Owning a rifle is a heavy responsibility. Building rifles is no different. Bravo Company Manufacturing builds a professional-grade product which is built to combat standards. That's because BCM believes the same level of protection should be provided to every American, regardless if they're a private citizen or a professional. The people at BCM assume when a rifle leaves their shop, it can be used in a life-or-death situation by a responsible citizen, law enforcement officer, or soldier overseas. So every component of a BCM rifle is hand-assembled and tested by Americans. They understand that you're not buying a gun because you really want to go target shooting. You need it in case, God forbid, you need it. So this is why you should check out Bravo Company Manufacturing. Head on over to bravocompanymfg.com. You can discover more about their products, special offers, and upcoming news. That is bravocompanymfg.com. If you need more convincing, find out even more about BCM and the awesome folks who make their products at youtube.com slash bravocompanyusa. Okay, so there's a gaslighting project that is, that is happening in real time. The gaslighting project is designed to shut you up. You, yes, you, right? whether it is Abigail Schreier writing a book on why it is bad to transition young children from male to female through hormone therapy, or whether it is Matt Iglesias, right, who's just a mainstream left guy, basically leaving his own publication. There's an attempt to shut down debate. There's an attempt to shut you up. It is particularly directed at conservatives. Okay, the, there is a process that the left has been using for quite a while, and it is quite effective process. So let me describe the process of getting you personally to shut up, because I know that you felt this in your regular life, right? You felt this from your peers. You feel this from your bosses. You feel this from the media. Okay, so here is the process. The process goes like this. It's basically a three-step process. The first, the first move is for people to tell you that if you voice your opinion, you're being not nice. See, what the left understands about conservatives is that conservatives generally value decency. They generally value politeness. 
right? Conservatives tend to believe that decency and niceness and politeness, these are virtues, these are good qualities. Now, it's very easy to shift from being nice and being polite and being decent into a belief that this means being inoffensive, right? Because if you're nice, typically, that means that you're not offending anybody, right? You're being a nice person, that means that you're not offending anybody. But there is a difference between being decent and being, and being inoffensive. There's a wide difference. In conservative philosophy, sometimes you actually have to chide people when they do the wrong thing. It's actually a biblical maxim is that you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to ignore it when your friend sins. You're supposed to chide him and correct him. But it is very easy to fall into the trap because it's seductive of basically saying that I'm a nice guy and so I'm never going to say anything offensive. And so what the left does is they simply deem anything that you are saying offensive and thus you have, you have now violated the niceness principle. You're no longer nice. You're no longer decent. You're no longer kind, right? They understand that you want to be kind and you want to be nice. And so if they act offended, that's a way of shutting you up, right? It's a way of saying your principles are offensive to me, so you should be quiet. Okay, then they push even further, okay? Because you might say, well, yes, you're offended, but your offense is really not the main thing. The question is, is what I'm saying true or is it not, right? You might say like I do, facts don't care about your feelings. And it's not mean to simply state a fact. So what the left instead does is they conflate offense and harm, right? This is the second step of shutting you up. The first step is you're not being nice. And you say, well, it's not about niceness or not niceness. I'm, it, it, there's nothing mean about saying something true. So they say, no, no, no. It's not just that you're being offensive and that you should be inoffensive. It is that you are harming me, right? They conflate offense with harm, right? You are now harming me. You're saying something that harms me and therefore you should shut up because it's one thing for you to be not nice. It's another thing for you to be harmful and cruel. And this is why the left spins up every offense into a deep-seated harm. This is where you get the language of microaggressions on college campus, right? I say something that is factual, and now you get very offended. And you don't just say that you are offended. You say that I have harmed you. I've aggressed you. Right? I've done something that infringes on your ability to see yourself the way you want to see yourself. And this is an actual harm to you. It's an emotional harm to you. And therefore, I should shut up. I violated the non-harm J.S. Mill principle. Okay, so step one was you're not being nice. Step two is you're actively harming me. So you need to be quiet. Okay, and that brings us to step three, right? Step three is silence is violence, right? Step three, so we went from you should be quiet to be nice to you should be quiet because you're harming me to you being quiet is the problem. Now, when folks on the left say silence is violence, what they don't mean is we want you to speak freely. What they mean is we want you to speak and repeat exactly what we are about to tell you. And if you do not mirror our preference, if you do not celebrate our preference, if you do not celebrate our political point of view, this means that you are a bad person. Right? And now you're being not nice, you're being harmful. Silence is violence. You are actually acting in a violent way by refusing to go along with what we are saying. It's the Seinfeld AIDS ribbon episode. Right? If you just refuse to wear the ribbon, that in and of itself is the crime because you are not repeating. You are not joining the cause. Right? This is the Ibram X. Kendi routine where it's not enough to not be racist, you have to be anti-racist. You have to repeat all of the bullcrap that Ibram X. Kendi spews in order for you to be considered anti-racist. So we went all the way from we don't want you to express your viewpoint to, we want you to positively express our viewpoint. So that is the process. And the process always begins with, you're not being nice. Okay, so you're not being nice, that first step usually is implicated when the left does something controversial. So the left has this gaslighting thing. Okay, gaslighting is this phenomenon. It comes from an old movie from the 1940s with Charles Boyer and Ingrid Bergman. The, the movie is about a woman who is being driven crazy by her husband. He wants her to commit suicide so he can take her inheritance. And so he changes the, the light on the gaslight every night and then tells her he has not done so, right, to drive her nuts. That's what gaslighting means. Gaslighting is where you know something is going on, but people around you are telling you that it's not going on, right? That's what gaslighting is. So the left engages 
in this gaslighting. The way that they engage in the gaslighting is they do something controversial. They say something controversial. They push a controversial point of view. They celebrate this controversial point of view. And then if you say, no, I, I disagree, they say, ah, you're not being nice. You're being offensive. You're causing harm, right? That's a, you're a bad person. How could you? How could you? You get this phenomenon a lot in, for example, Los Angeles, the, the, the kind of attention-seeking behavior that you see very often. And then if you pay attention to the behavior, they go, why are you paying attention? Why are you, because you asked me to pay attention. Right? This is all leading up to a discussion of Harry Styles, by the way, if you were not aware where this was going. There is a, there is a thing that happens very often in places like LA where you walk, into a, you walk into a coffee bean and the barista has pink hair and a ring on the nose and a ring on the ear and a chain connecting both, connecting all the way to the other ear. Right? And then you, you, you kind of look for a moment too long and the person looks at you and says, what are you looking at? Well, it feels like you were seeking attention when you decided to connect a chain from your ear to your nose to your other ear. Like that, that's an actual overt sign that you might want to, like your hair is shockingly bright pink. I feel like you might want some attention there. And then it's like, well, why are you paying attention? Why are you paying attention? Well, that's why we're, we're paying attention. The paying attention is not the sin. If you want to act that way, it's a free country. You can act that way, but us paying attention to having opinions is not in fact a violation of the niceness principle, nor is it an excuse to silence other people. Okay, this brings us to the Harry Styles issue. We'll get to that in just one moment. But first, let's talk about the fact that as dudes, a lot of your identity might be wrapped up in your hair, not your pink hair. It might be wrapped up in like actually having hair. And as men age, they tend to bald. Okay, this is just one of the realities of life. Male pattern baldness is a genetic thing. And most men start losing hair in their, in their 20s and in their early 30s. Well, now there's keeps. Two out of three dudes are going to experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. The best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair left. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered directly to your home. They make it easy. They deliver your medication every three months so you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. You might have tried them before, probably never for this price. Keeps treatments typically take between four to six months to see results. It's important to act fast. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you will save. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors, and more than 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at just 10 bucks a month plus. For a limited time, you can get your first month for free. It is quick, it is easy, it saves you a lot of money, and it can save your hair, which is a very, very useful thing. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Ben to receive your first month of treatment for free. That is K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Ben, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Ben. Okay, so this brings us to the Vogue photo shoot with Harry Styles. So this first hit my attention yesterday when Candace Owens tweeted about it. Vogue magazine featured Harry Styles. So I, the only reason I know Harry Styles, honestly, is because he was in Dunkirk. Like, I, I, I've never heard his music. I don't care about him. I honestly, as I say, like my only experience, like knowing who he is, is that he was in a Christopher Nolan film. But he did this photo shoot with Vogue in which he dressed garishly in a bunch of women's clothing. And he looks like an idiot. And let's just put that out there straight up front. He looks like a moron. Okay, because men wearing women's dresses, typically that's like, there's a reason that Bugs Bunny plays it for comic effect when he puts on a dress to fool Elmer Fudd. Right? It's inherently funny. We're not talking here about a guy who's identifying as transgender and has gender dysphoria or something. This is a this is just a regular dude putting on a dress, okay? And can we use like a bit of common sense here that that's at least strange? It's something different. And by the way, Vogue knows that it's strange and something different. See, here's where the gaslighting comes in. Vogue treats this as groundbreaking and wonderful. Now, in your regular life, if somebody that, you, let's say that you're a married woman and your husband comes through the door wearing one of your gowns, would your first reaction be, I love how you're bending gender norms, honey? Fabio, I, I asked our uh, our hair and makeup person, Fabiola, 
about this. And her reaction, I thought, was, was on the mark. She said, if my husband walked through the door wearing one of my dresses, I would punch him. Yeah, okay, fair, fair enough, fair enough. But in any case, I'm not saying that anybody who wears a dress should be punched. I'm just saying what Fabiola said. Okay, I'm just reporting to you the facts. In any case, Harry Styles is wearing these bizarre, garish outfits. And we are told this is very brave, incredibly brave. It's not just that he put on these outfits. By the way, we know that this is playing with stereotypes and redefining masculinity, right? That is the goal here. It is the overt goal. Because if this were just about, you know, I like to wear creative clothing, he'd put on like a panda bear suit or something. Right? It's him walking around in like a Finding Nemo costume. But he's not. He's wearing a dress. And the reason he's wearing a dress is because he's trying to violate preconceived notions about masculinity. Okay, and Vogue makes this perfectly clear. So we are told by various interview subjects that Styles cross-dressing represents, quote, the image of a new era of the way that a man can look. Okay. And that the pop star is, quote, redefining what it can mean to be a man with confidence. Ah, uh, you see, the most confident men are the ones who wear dresses. The more confident you are in your masculinity, the more you can afford to be not masculine. In fact, the highest form of masculinity is to completely castrate yourself. That would actually be the highest form of masculinity because if you do that, that shows how masculine you are because you had to have balls to take them off, right? I mean, that really is the highest form of masculinity is to do things that make you as, li as little masculine as humanly possible. That's, that's the mark of manhood. Okay, the actress Olivia Wilde says, quote, I hope that this brand of confidence as a male that Harry has, truly devoid of any traces of toxic masculinity, is indicative of his generation and therefore the future of the world. I think he's in many ways championing that, spearheading that. It's pretty powerful, kind of extraordinary to see someone in his position redefining what it can mean to be a man with confidence. Oh, that's, okay, so first of all, it's not just devoid of toxic masculinity, it's devoid of any masculinity. Okay, this is not, a, th there's nothing masculine about this. In fact, the whole point here is to rob masculinity of its masculine side, right? That is the entire point. The point is to redefine masculinity to now include doing feminine things. If it were just about a man being confident to wear what he wants to wear, then he'd be out there like Borat in a banana hammock or something, right? But that's not what he's doing. Right? The, what he's doing instead is he's putting on a dress because he's trying to mix up the stereotypes of male and female. So this is an attention-seeking behavior. Right? This is Harry Styles with the pink hair and the nose ring and the, and the chain going from ear to ear. Right? That's, that's what this is. And it is overtly a political attempt to shift the definition of masculinity. Okay, I'm not making this up. Don't be gaslit by the left that says, well, why are you making a big... Because you made a big deal out of it. You don't get to crash a car. And then when I look at the car crash, say, hey, look, there's a car crash. You go, there's no car crash. What are you even looking at? You guys are the ones making a political point out of a dude wearing a dress. And I am saying, I think that your political point is stupid because it is stupid. Okay, so th that, that gaslighting attempt is really irritating. So we'll get to what Candace had to say and then what I had to say about this in just a moment because there is a broader point to be made. If the left is going to now declaim, is now going to claim that being a man wearing a dress is the highest form of masculinity because you have shed toxic masculinity, and then I say, I think that this is a perversion of masculinity because feminizing males is not the goal of being masculine. Masculine and feminine have definitions. It is good for men to be masculine. It is a good thing to train boys to be masculine. And then for masculinity to be tempered by civilization, right? For all of human history, masculinity unbound has had very, very negative effects, right? Masculinity unbound from anything like responsibility, the aggressive instinct that is inherent in males, generally speaking, unbound from civilization and civilizing influences and traditional Judeo-Christian morality has had dire, dire effects. Okay, but masculinity has also done incredibly great things for the world. Assertiveness has meant progress. Assertiveness has meant growth. Assertiveness has meant defense of family and hearth and home. 
It has meant prosperity, right? Masculinity is a good thing for civilizations. And civilizations that decide to essentially defenestrate masculinity are going to bear some pretty ill effects. Now, if you make that point, the left says you have to shut up. You're not being nice, right? Now you're being offensive. So do something outrageous. Somebody else comments on the outrageous thing. You should shut up. You don't, don't comment on the outrageous thing. Celebrate the outrageous thing or silence is violence. Okay, we're going to get to the actual analysis of this particular issue in a second because masculinity is important. What the left wants to do is rewrite masculinity. They do not want to, to fight toxic masculinity. They want to fight masculinity itself. Right? Being a man is a bad thing unless you are treating manhood as actually acting in feminine ways because feminine and masculine have definitions. We'll get to that in one second. Confusion is the goal here because if they were to make this argument straight up that men should act like women, that men should don dresses and act just like women, everybody would realize how stupid this is. So instead, they've decided to deliberately confuse the terminology. First, they say masculine and feminine are categories. True. And then they say feminine and masculine are not categories. And if you point out their categories, then it's because you're some sort of bigot. So it's all self-contradictory crap. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that if you are looking for a great sleep quality, it's not just enough to have your Helix Sleep mattress. You also need to have an excellent set of sheets. What do millions of Americans and three former U.S. presidents have in common? They all agree that Bowl and Branch sheets are the softest, most comfortable, pure organic cotton sheets on earth. Bowl and Branch cotton is rain-fed, pesticide-free, and carries the highest organic certification, which is why it is so soft. Because they work with family-owned mills all over the world to expertly weave every set of Bowl and Branch sheets with the highest levels of craftsmanship, it is quality. You can feel the moment you open the box. I love my Bowl and Branch sheets. In fact, I love them so much that we had other sheets. We took all of them and threw them out. Bowl and Branch sheets literally ruined all of the other sheets for my family. We had to get Bowl and Branch sheets for everybody because they are just that good. Since they sell direct to you, Bowl and Branch sheets start at just $160. They are $1,000 quality sheets for a fraction of the price. Plus, you can sleep on them for a month risk-free. Right now, you'll get 50 bucks off any set of sheets at bullandbranch.com with promo code Ben Shapiro, spelled B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code Ben Shapiro for 50 bucks off, bullandbranch.com, promo code Ben Shapiro. Restrictions may apply, 200 bucks order minimum. See bullandbranch.com for details. Okay, we're gonna get to more of this in a second. The gaslighting, which does have, again, broader ramifications for our public discussions. We'll get to that in just a second. First, if you're not already disgusted by the mainstream media, you absolutely should be. It is obvious that they were worth 10 points to Joe Biden in that election cycle. They lied about every single narrative. They continue to lie about every single narrative. Just because CNN, MSNBC, even Fox News declare something, that doesn't necessarily make the narrative true. It means that media outlets push a narrative that very often they find beneficial. Not only that, the media has already shifted from demonizing Trump and his supporters to flattering Joe Biden and Kamala Harris before they've even taken office. If you watched Joe Biden's presser yesterday, the media basically just acted as sycophantic lapdogs. So we are back to the Obama era. If you're sick of the media feeding you a narrative, replace your cable and your new subscriptions with The Daily Wire. We have big plans for the next four years. It starts today. Candace Owens, New York Times bestselling author, founder of the Blexit Foundation, is joining The Daily Wire, where she'll be launching a brand new show with us early next year. We'll also be launching an entertainment channel, like with actual movies and TV, a new investigative journalism team, building partnerships with like-minded content creators like PragerU, their entire show library will be available to dailywire.com members by the end of the year. We are building up an alternative to the mainstream media, a replacement for the mainstream media. Join us because not only are you helping us, you're also helping to destroy the legacy media that have crafted this entire narrative around the idea that you're a bad person. Right now, just to show you we're serious, we're offering 25% off all memberships with code ELECTION over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Members get our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts and show library, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro Show, exclusive Reader's Pass content available only to Daily Wire members. If you're considering an all-access membership, you get to join us on All Access Live every night for live stream discussions with our hosts and an amazing online community. 
You also get not one, but two leftist tiers tumblers with your membership as well as early, sometimes exclusive access to new Daily Wire products. So remember, that's 25% off all memberships with code ELECTION over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Replace the legacy media with Daily Wire. You're not going to regret it. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Okay, so a couple of obvious stipulations up front. Men have always done cross-dressing. There have always been some segment of men who cross-dress. Very often, it was played for comedy. And the entire premise of Some Like It Hot is that it is funny when men cross-dress. That is not what the Harry Styles photo shoot is about. right? There have been pop stars who have done this before. David Bowie wearing a dress. They always look like idiots, by the way. They always look ridiculous. But the whole point is to be transgressive. right? But what we are seeing with the Vogue article is not just an attempt to be transgressive, obviously. It's an attempt to redefine masculinity itself. I mean, this is overt in the article. I'm not making it up. I already read you the segments from the Vogue magazine article. Okay, so my friend Candace Owens tweets out, quote, there is no society that can survive without strong men. The East knows this. In the West, the steady feminization of our men at the same time that Marxism is being taught to our children is not a coincidence. It is an outright attack. Bring back manly men. Okay, I, I, I'm not sure what exactly is controversial about this, that masculinity is a good and important thing when channeled properly. It, it requires men to defend family. It requires men to provide. It requires men to channel their aggressive instincts towards defense of values and civilization. That, that is a, it requires assertiveness. Mascul Aristotle talks about masculinity in exactly these sorts of terms. Harvey Mansfield has an excellent book called Manliness, all about masculinity and what distinguishes it from femininity. Now, it's not that the left doesn't acknowledge these are qualities. The left fully acknowledges the qualities of masculinity and femininity, right? Which is why they suggest that there are a wide variety of genders, because they suggest that a man can be very feminine and this actually makes him a woman. Right? So they agree that this means that there is such a thing as masculinity and femininity. They then just suggest that men should act like women, right? that men should, masculinity should be made more feminine. And Candace disagrees. She says that when you make men more feminine, when you suggest that men need to be like women, they need to wear dresses, right? that this undermines some fundamentally good thing about men. In the same way that if you said that women ought to act like men, it's funny, if you say that women ought to act more like men, this is considered sexist because it actually is sexist. But if you say that men ought to act more like women, this is considered progressive and forward thinking. The attempt to feminize men is ongoing on the left. Okay, so this prompted me to defend Candace's comment. And I said, this is perfectly obvious. Anyone who pretends it is not a referendum on masculinity for men to don floofy dresses and then be celebrated by magazines like Vogue is gaslighting you. Masculinity and femininity are categories. They exist. Right? Some behavior is more masculine, like punching people in the face. Some behavior is more feminine like wearing floofy dresses, right? There are, there are many different forms of masculinity and femininity. And the most important form of femininity is bearing and rearing children, okay? That is something that is endemic biologically to female mammals of all species, is bearing and rearing their young, right? And it is endemic for men and males of all mammalian species to be more aggressive, right? These are just biological realities. To pretend that they are social constructs entirely is completely idiotic and anti-scientific and anti-evidentiary. Masculinity and femininity do exist. And not only that, how does this tie into the whole dress conversation? Outward indicators of masculinity and femininity exist in nearly every human culture, right? We train little boys to be masculine and we train little girls to be more feminine. We try to breed out of them the toxicity of masculinity or the toxicity of femininity. We try to use civilization to civilize children, but boys are boys and girls are girls, right? And these are important things. Boys ought to be allowed to act like boys. Girls ought to be allowed to act like girls. Boys are taught to be more masculine in virtually every human culture. This is not a Western-centered thing. 
Boys are taught to be more masculine in virtually every human culture because the role of men is not, in fact, always the same as the role of women. There can be crossover. Men and women can do very many of the same jobs. But to suggest that men and women are identical and they are widgets created by social conditioning is just bullcrap. It is not true. It is not scientifically true. It is, it is a violation of actual scientific biology. There are differences between men and women on the broad range. That does not mean that there's not, again, men who act more like women or women who act more like men. They're not more effeminate men and more masculine women, right? All of that exists. But the fact that there is a spectrum of human biology does not mean there are not poles. There are indeed poles, right? As in P-O-L-E-S, there are poles, masculine and feminine. The left knows this. In, in fact, the point of the Harry Styles photo shoot is to violate those poles, right? Is to feminize masculinity. Olivia Wilde says it herself. The idea is to rethink masculinity as femininity, to feminize men, to get rid of toxic masculinity by suggesting that men should act like women. Otherwise, it would not be headline worthy for Harry Styles to put on a dress. Right? If it were just about Harry Styles, again, playing with dress the way he says that it, it is, then he would have dressed up as a giant baby in a diaper with, like a, with a pacifier, right? Like, he's not doing that. He's dressing up in a women's gown because he's attempting to make a point, which is that men should be more like women, right? And the left knows this. They know this. They openly say that gender is both important and socially constructed, right? They say that gender is actually inborn, but also socially constructed, right? They want it both ways. They say that gender is a social construction and that, and that, it's, that, that femininity is just men cramming down the patriarchy on women. But they will also say that gender, which is the manifestation of biology, right? But they don't think so. They think the gender is just your femininity or masculinity is actually inborn and inherent to you. So they say that a man can be a woman, even though there's no biological underpinning. So gender is real, but also it's socially constructed. It's all self-contradictory. But let's assume for a second the honesty of some folks on the left who at least acknowledge that femininity and masculinity exist. They also have indicators, outward indicators. Dress has been for virtually all time and in virtually all cultures, an outward indicator, which is why the Bible explicitly says that it is against cross-dressing, for example. Okay, but in virtually every culture, men and women dress differently. This does not mean that all men dress the same and all women in all cultures dress the same. It means that in every culture, there is a distinction between how men dress and how women dress. The stupidest form of the argument that I saw yesterday online was, well, in Scotland, they wear kilts. Hmm? That means that a man in America wearing a skirt, a floofy skirt, is the same as a man in Scotland wearing a kilt. No, because they also distinguish between how men wear clothes and women wear clothes in Scotland, too. It's just that men wear different clothes than men in America. It's the most idiotic thing. People are like, well, yeah, back in Roman times, men wore togas. You understand those were basically just dresses. Yes, and women wore a different form of clothing at the time. Women and men were distinguishable by dress. They have always been distinguishable by dress in virtually every human culture. And noting that men wore floofier stuff in the 16th century in Britain does not change the fact that women wore completely different clothing in the 16th century in Britain. Right? This is a category error, you morons. To suggest that because men wore something like a kilt in Scotland, that if you transferred over to America would look more feminine. Therefore, a man wearing a skirt in America in 2020 is, is just the same in the male-female paradigm as a man wearing a kilt in Scotland in 1590 is insane and idiotic and ridiculous on its face. And we all know that. Okay, pretending that men dressing like women is not about feminizing men is ridiculous because they are overtly celebrating the fact that, style is fem that styles is feminizing masculinity. So this is all a big gaslighting effect, right? The left will do this. The left's routine is this. Look how important and magical it is that Harry Styles is wearing a dress. He's subversively undermining masculinity by bringing the by bringing the effect of femininity to the masculine, and that's real masculinity, isn't? Dude wearing a dress, and then people on the right are like, "Yes, men wearing dresses does undermine masculinity by making it more feminine, and that is a bad thing." And then folks on the left don't respond by saying, 
Well, why is it a bad thing to feminize masculinity? Because then they would lose the argument because masculinity has very many good things and ought to be upheld. Instead, what the left does is this weird gaslighting shut up routine where they say, how dare you say that wearing that men wearing dresses undermines masculinity? You said you on the left, you said that wearing a dress undermines masculinity. That is the whole point of putting people on the cover of magazines who are men wearing dresses. Okay, so here's the bottom line. There are a lot of conservatives, I know, who, who listen to this sort of stuff and they go, well, why aren't we talking about political races? Why aren't we talking about, why aren't we talking about tax rates? Why aren't we talking about policy? This stuff matters. It matters because these are fundamental ideas to the, pres the preservation of a civilization. Boys and girls are different. Boys and girls are different. It is important to inculcate in your children that boys and girls are different. And any parent who fails to inculcate in a boy that manliness is a, is a good thing and that responsible manliness helps build civilization, any person, any parent who does not teach their girls that femininity, meaning the protection of hearth and home in a different way than masculinity, is a good thing. Any person who doesn't teach their girls that is not doing their kid any favors. And they are undermining the civilizational compact between men and women that exists based on biology in virtually every human culture. And the left knows that they can't win this argument because biology cuts directly against them. Science cuts directly against them. So instead, they just confuse it. Instead, they just play these stupid semantic little games where they say that masculinity and femininity are interchangeable. And if you say no, they say, how dare you? How dare you? It's, it's, it's absurd and it's ridiculous. And we shouldn't be shy about discussing these issues because the left certainly isn't shy about discussing these issues. The left will put these in public schools, right? The left will, will tell your kindergartner that real men wear dresses. And then you'll be explaining to a five-year-old why real men do not wear dresses. And, and I don't feel that that is an acceptable ramification of our cultural discussion, is that you're supposed to shut up because it's offensive and rude for you to say that boys and girls are different. But it is inoffensive and groundbreaking to treat as completely without debate that men and women are exactly the same in every respect, except that men suffer from toxic masculinity that must be bred out of them by wearing 17th century floofy dresses on the cover of Vogue. The answer to that is no. And I'm glad all y'all really enjoy your Harry Styles music. And Harry Styles, he's a free man living in a Western country. And by the way, a West defended by quite masculine men as a general rule. Okay, that is, congratulations to Harry Styles. You can enjoy his music. I'm not saying don't pick up his CDs. I'm not saying don't listen to his music. I'm not saying don't watch the movies he's in. All I'm saying is that when you put out there an argument that men ought to act like women and that this is a good thing, you are doing something that undermines and tears at the fabric of not only civilization, but of families. It tears at the fabric of child rearing and child raising, and everybody with half a brain knows this. And don't be silenced by people who just tell you that it's rude to talk about it while simultaneously demanding that you put on the Kramer AIDS ribbon or they're going to, uh, or they're going to club you about the head for not celebrating that which you don't find worthy of celebration. Okay, so meanwhile, in actual news, COVID continues to, uh, to blight the land and the responses of various political figures continues to not be particularly useful. So Bill de Blasio announced yesterday that they are closing the schools in New York despite evidence. It is perfectly obvious at this point that schools are not chief vectors of transmission. Does not matter. They're shutting down the schools anyway because all of the political incentives are aligned to shut things down even if there's no actual evidence suggesting that things ought to be shut down. We said we would make health and safety the priority. We said we would hold this standard. And that was part of how we convinced everyone that it would be safe to come into the schools. Now, we did expect our schools to be safe. The only way I differ with you is say it is not unexpected that our schools are safe. We expected them to be safe. We've been very, very impressed by the work everyone's done. They're extraordinarily safe. But that said, 
We set a standard. We asked everyone to trust it and believe in it. It's important to keep consistency with that. Okay, um, first of all, I love Bill de Blasio talking about consistency. His consistent standard has been yell at the Jews while suggesting systemic racism is responsible for upticks of COVID in every other racial minority. So the, it, it, Captain Consistency over here has been like, let's have giant riots and looting in the middle of Fifth Avenue. That's totally fine with COVID. But also, you can't have a family gathering. Captain Consistency over here. I love when he says that... Um, we set a standard. Our standard makes no sense, but we have to hold to our standard now. Shutting down the schools. Good luck to parents, by the way. I hope that you've enjoyed that two weeks of schooling in New York that you got. I hope that it went really, really well for you. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is, uh, is out there still maintaining that he has a plan. It must be wonderful being Joe Biden at this point, not having to have a plan, but getting to blame Trump for every bad thing that is happening. Uh, he said some very bizarre things yesterday in front of his uh, cardboard his cardboard display saying office of the president-elect. There is no office of the president-elect, as we've noted, going all the way back to 2008, when Barack Obama actually created placards that said office of the president-elect. That is not the way that works. In any case, Joe Biden said that the vaccine is coming, and I trust the vaccine because Fauci says the vaccine is good. He says people only question the vaccine because of Trump, which is a weird take considering your vice president, your vice presidential candidate, Kamala Harris, openly said that she would not take the vaccine if Trump said to take it. So uh, I feel like the undermining of vaccines and, and taking vaccines, uh, that's actually been your party, Joe. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that now you're on board. That's exciting news. It, funny how you switch from, I'm a little wary about vaccines, your vice president saying that, uh, to vaccines are the most wonderful thing and Trump is the only person obstructing them when he's the one who created the program to develop them in the first place. Here's Joe Biden being a tool. The only reason people question the vaccine now is because of Donald Trump. That's the reason why people are questioning the vaccine, because all the things he says and doesn't say, whether it's is it truthful, is it not truthful, the exaggerations. I think we're on a clear path now. We're on a clear path where the international community and national leaders uh, in the scientific community have focused on these two vaccines. They appear to be ready for prime time, ready to be used. And if that continues along those roads, I would take the vaccine. Okay, so that old codger is going to be curing COVID. So that's, that's exciting stuff. And then, of course, he saved some bl more blame for Trump, right? That Trump is refusing to coordinate and it's going to get a lot of people killed. Uh, no, it, it, no. Sorry, not true. Okay, the fact is that apparently Biden is receiving some sort of national security briefing today. So um, yeah, here, here's Biden trying to blame everything on Trump as per our usual arrangement. What do you see as the biggest threat to your transition right now, given President Trump's unprecedented attempt to obstruct and delay a smooth transfer of power? More people may die if we don't coordinate. If we have to wait until January 20th to start that planning, it puts us behind over a month, month and a half. And so it's important that it be done, that there be coordination now, now or as rapidly as we can get that done. Okay, so again, everything is Trump's fault. Meanwhile, the media pushing the idea that if you're a Republican, you're more likely to get COVID because you're an idiot. Uh, so it is, it is very odd how the, the virus pretty much affects everybody. And that if you are more careful, uh, there's a lower likelihood that you're going to get a, a severe strain of the virus and if you are, uh, or a severe case of the virus. And if you are less careful, then you're probably going to have a higher chance of getting it. Nonetheless, here is CNN declaring that President Trump and every Republican uh, th those people are responsible for their own COVID cases. They, they hosted a South Dakota nurse uh, who then proceeded to explain that people are dying in South Dakota while declaring that COVID is not real. And this is, of course, because of President Trump, as opposed to the huge number of people who died in New York who thought presumably COVID was real and also died. It turns out the virus doesn't care what you think because the virus is not, in fact, uh, a woke mind reading tool. I think the hardest thing to watch is that people are still looking for something else and they want a magic answer. 
and they don't want to believe that COVID is real. And the reason I tweeted what I did is it wasn't one particular patient. It's just a culmination of so many people. And their last dying words are, um, this can't be happening, it's not real. And when they should be spending time FaceTiming their families, they're filled with anger and hatred. And it just made me really sad the other night. And um, I just can't believe that those are going to be their last thoughts and words. I'm glad this is uh, CNN's narrative. I mean, we, by the way, we also heard stories. Uh, a little bit earlier before the election about people whose last dying words were things like, I hope Trump loses or something. It turns out people have all sorts of weird ideas uh, when they are on their deathbeds. But CNN apparently only is interested in featuring one type of particular story. Okay. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is laying forth his economic plan. So in the in the final days of President Trump's first term, you know, depending on what happens here, uh, Joe Biden is laying forth his economic plans. His economic plans suck. Now, Let's be frank about this. If Joe Biden ends up as the president-elect of the United States, if he ends up taking office in January, then Joe Biden might be the luckiest cat on planet Earth. Uh, Not just because he presumably would have been declared the winner, but also because if the Republicans win the Senate, Joe Biden is going to get the benefit of Operation Warp Speed. He's going to be handed a vaccine that will be widely available by March and April, which means that the economy is going to boom. It means that the V-shaped recovery that started under President Trump will continue. It means the economy is going to spike. And because he will have a Republican Senate, Joe Biden will have no way of stopping the economy from growing, right? He'll have wanted to put forth all of these crappy proposals, raising taxes and increasing regulations and all of this. And he'll have very little ability to actually implement that. You want to know why the stock market jumped on election night. The reason the stock market jumped after election night is because there was an assumption that Republicans were going to keep the Senate, which is why those Georgia Senate races are really important. But this does put Joe Biden in particularly rich, in a, in a particularly rich political area, meaning that, that for Joe Biden, All he has to do is continue to sit in the basement and just reap the rewards of Trump's economic plan and Trump's vaccines, and then the media will credit him. So that's a wonderful thing. But he's at least going to pay lip service to all of his party's most idiotic economic plans. So yesterday he gave a speech on the economy, which basically amounted to Trump is a big, bad, mean, orange man. At some point, you would figure the the specter of Trump will will suddenly just dissipate, but never. I mean, Barack Obama is still blaming George W. Bush seven years into his term. So you can imagine that that's exactly what Joe Biden will be doing as well. So Joe Biden says he wants to restructure the tax structure. We need a fairer tax structure where people at the top pay more, which is insane considering the people at the top pay literally all net taxes in the United States. That means taxes that are that are paid after you receive government benefits. People in the top 1% are paying the vast bulk of those taxes. People in the top 1% are paying a highly disproportionate share of the taxes. It's funny. The same people who will suggest that America's rich are not paying their fair share and also say that Norway is wonderful, neglect the fact that Norway and Denmark and Sweden, all these places have incredibly regressive tax systems compared to the United States. America has an incredibly progressive graduated tax system where people at the top get absolutely shellacked. And if you're not earning all that much money or if you're middle class, you're not paying very high taxes. If you go over to Europe, everybody is paying high taxes. In any case, here's Joe Biden just lying and saying we don't have a fair tax system, which is code for I want to seize more money from people who earn a lot. It's time to reward work, not just wealth in America. We're going to have a fair tax structure that makes sure the wealthiest among us and corporations pay their fair share. Our plan will create millions of good paying union jobs in manufacturing, building the vehicles, products, technologies that are going to, we're going to need for the future to compete with the rest of the world. From autos to our stockpiles, we're going to buy American. Okay, so um, let's, let's just be real about this. When he talks about how work must be rewarded, Family income grew under Donald Trump in the first three years of his administration faster 
and more completely in total than under eight years of Barack Obama. And the people who are mostly making that money are people in the middle and the bottom end of the spectrum. You know, there's actually faster income growth among people who are at the lower end of the spectrum than in people at the top end of the spectrum. It doesn't matter. Joe Biden is going to continue to push the, these crappy plans. Meanwhile, Joe Biden has another plan. And this one, again, is incredibly regressive. So first of all, it's, it's hilarious that, that Joe Biden continues to suggest that America's tax system is regressive when it is actually quite progressive. Also, he wants to push what sounds like the most regressive policy prescription that I can think of. He wants to simply cancel student loan debt. Now, this is idiotic in all respects. We'll get to this in just one. I'll explain in just one second. Here is Joe Biden saying this yesterday. To student loan forgiveness figure in your plan, would you take executive action to achieve it? It does figure in my plan. I've laid out in detail. For example, the, uh, uh, the legislation passed by the Democratic House calls for immediate $10,000 forgiveness of student loans. It's holding people up. They're in real trouble. They're having to make choices between paying their student loan and paying their rent, those kinds of decisions. It should be done immediately. Okay, so he wants to just come in and relieve student loan debt. So a few points here. One, if you paid your bills, you're a sucker. Right? I paid my wife's medical school bills. I paid my law school bills. My parents helped me out with college. We all took on debt and we all paid off that debt in order to pay off our debts. And we did so in the assumption that that was going to be a way of investing in the future. And here comes Joe Biden saying, basically, you're suckers. Because not only did you pay off your debt, now the taxpayer is going to assume everybody else's debt, which means that you're going to have to pay for some jackass, jackass Antifa student's degree in queer studies. So I'm a sucker. You're a sucker. If you're a taxpayer, you're a sucker. If you're a high school student, if you're a high school grad, and you didn't go to college, you're a serious sucker because you could have gone for free and then just had Joe Biden alleviate the debt. Not only that, you're not going to have to pay because the taxes are going to come. You're going to have to pay for that college student to get that ridiculous degree. And what this really is, is a subsidy to a university system that indoctrinates kids in stupidity. There are two types of degrees that come out of college systems. Okay, there is the type of degree where you actually learn something. My wife was pre-med, right? So she was in psychobiology. That is a hard science. Right? If you look at the hard sciences, science, tech, engineering, math, right? The STEM fields, those are actual degrees with actual skill sets. Then they're what we at UCLA used to call the North Campus degrees, right? They're the English majors and the poli-sci majors. Uh, I'll speak about poli-sci because I was a poli-sci major. It was useless crap. The only reason that you got a poli-sci major was so that you could go to law school or brag that you got a poli-sci degree from UCLA without any concomitant skill set. It was a scam designed to give you a degree. These are degree mills. That is what these, that is what these colleges are. They are designed as, sort, as sorting mechanisms, as feeder mechanisms, right? The idea is that employers are, I believe, banned by federal law from giving things like IQ tests in order to determine whether or not you are smart enough to be hired. So instead, we have an entire ridiculous and backwards and convoluted system where you're supposed to incur tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt to basically take an IQ test, which is all that, that a degree from a college basically is, right? Because you take an SAT, which is a low-level IQ test or an ACT, same sort of thing. And then you get funneled into a college and then the college weeds out people who are not particularly hardworking. And then you get the degree and all an employer, an employer learns from that is not that you have a marketable skill set. They learn that you are quote unquote smart, right? This is why if you have Harvard on your on your diploma, even if you majored in something really stupid, you're probably more likely to get a job than if you have junior college on your diploma and you majored in something not particularly stupid. Because everybody sort of understands that unless you're majoring in science, technology, engineering, math, then you are basically learning not much of anything. You're just going there to get the degree. And then that sorting mechanism can be used to get you into, into a job somewhere. We'd be much better off pushing apprenticeship programs. So I have an alternative proposal. Instead of rewarding these colleges with taxpayer money, because again, when you wipe out the debt, taxpayers pick it up. That's all that means. There's no such thing as free college. There's just taxpayers paying for your crappy major. One of the reasons that I like the idea of private institutions 
providing the loans for colleges as opposed to the federal government backing them is because private institutions sometimes take a look at your degree and determine whether they think you're going to pay back. See, the thing about a degree is that it is not foreclosable. When a bank gives you a mortgage on a house, they make an assessment. One, are you going to pay back the debt? Two, if you don't pay back the debt, can they seize the property? Right? It's secured. It's a secured loan. Education is an unsecured loan. There is no collateral they can seize if you'd stop paying back your debt. So what banks typically do is they look at what you're getting a degree in. If you're getting a degree from Harvard Law, then they can assume that you're going to pay back the debt because you're probably going to get a high-flying law job that makes you a couple hundred grand a year start. Right? That's a better bet than if you're getting a theater major at Wesleyan. Right? That might be harder to get a loan for in the private sector, which is right. The federal government comes in and guarantees all of these loans which is idiotic because now they are subsidizing a bunch of crappy majors at a bunch of colleges that are just there to indoctrinate you into wokeism. Okay, so this should all be privatized in the first place. But I have, I have another idea. If we are going to actually forgive these debts, how about this? How about instead of having the taxpayers forgive the debts? How about if you have a useless major and you're not earning a lot of money and you actually have serious loan debt because you took out a bunch of loans to do that theater major in lesbian dance theory over at Wesleyan? How about this? How about Wesleyan has to eat the cost? Because Wesleyan was in on the scam. Wesleyan knew you weren't going to get a job in lesbian dance after you got your degree. How about they, who helped perpetuate the scam, they have to eat the cost. That would end this scam, this grift, right quick, wouldn't it? But Joe Biden has no intention of doing that because, of course, these colleges are churning out Democratic voters. They are a way of indoctrinating people into ideologies that Joe Biden favors. This is an anti-blue-collar program. It doesn't help high school grads. It does not care for people who don't feel like wasting four years of their lives and hundreds of thousands of dollars at a college to earn a degree in, in crap. It doesn't help people who have already paid their debts. And it subsidizes people who are in the least profitable and least useful majors. Okay, so th th this is a very regressive program that Joe Biden is pushing, naturally. Uh, but this is the, the left. I mean, the, the left-wing Democratic Party is now basically a coalition of the, of the intersectionally aggrieved and the woke white people. That, that's what the Democratic Party coalition is. Well, good luck with that in the future. Okay, meanwhile, the, the media are trying to pave the ground going forward for a Biden administration. They, they're trying to somehow create the narrative that Biden ought to get back in the Iran deal. So one of the signal achievements of the Trump administration was getting out of the Iran deal, which put the Iranian mullahs behind the eight ball economically. It put them in a very difficult situation because all of their ability to access world markets basically collapsed. They've been in a state of economic collapse for years. It has prevented them from achieving the kind of the, the kind of forward thrusting aggressive terrorist backing action that they had been pursuing in places like Yemen or in Lebanon or in Syria. So that, that was very, it was very successful. And it also happened to result in an anti-Iranian alliance between Israel and the UAE and de facto with Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Jordan. Okay, all of that was very good. So now the media have to come up with some excuse why Joe Biden should be able to cut a new deal with the Iranian government, which is on the ropes. So the way that they are, are now crafting this narrative is that Donald Trump is going to nuke Iran, right? That Donald Trump is creating danger in Iran. And the, uh, Iran has created new nuclear facilities that Trump wants to pursue militants. And the only alternative is for Joe Biden to come in and sign an agreement with the Iranians. So they are pushing a headline suggesting that Trump sought options for attacking Iran to stop its growing nuclear program. This is the article from the New York Times. Okay, now, here's what the article says, and you'll see how it doesn't agree with the headline. President Trump asked senior advisors in an Oval Office meeting on Thursday whether he had options to take action against Iran's main nuclear site in the coming weeks. The meeting occurred a day after international inspectors reported a significant increase in the country's stockpile of nuclear material, four current and former U.S. officials said on Monday. A range of senior advisors dissuaded the president from moving ahead with a military strike. 
The advisors, including Vice President Pence, Secretary of State Pompeo, Christopher Miller, the Acting Defense Secretary, and General Milley, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, warned a strike against Iran's facilities could easily escalate into a broader conflict in the last weeks of Trump's presidency. Trump asked his top national security officials what options were available and how to respond. After Pompeo and Milley described the potential risks, officials left the meeting believing a missile attack inside Iran was off the table. Okay, so in other words, Trump said, what are our options on nuclear facilities? They said, well, we shouldn't do anything military. And Trump said, okay. The headline is Trump considered military attack because the media are now attempting to craft a narrative where the only alternative to Joe Biden making concessions to a terrorist regime is war. We did this already, right? We did this back in 2009, 2010 when the Obama administration crafted a narrative and then threw it out there for stenographers to push. Right, Jeffrey Goldberg to push. Ben Rhodes bragged openly that this is what they were doing. Ben Rhodes, who is then Deputy National Security Advisor, bragged openly that the Obama administration had crafted a lie around Iran, which is that there were only two alternatives, full-fledged war with Iran and submitting to Iran's will. And it turned out that was crap because Trump came in and did a third way and was very successful in containing Iran. He killed off their terrorist leader, Qasem Soleimani. He, he created an alliance against them that checked their power. He drove their economy into the ground, right? All of that was very good. So now the media are trying to revive the same narrative Obama pushed the first time, that the only alternatives are open warfare with the Iranian government or making concessions to the Iranian government. Don't fall for it. It is a media-crafted narrative and it is garbage. But the media will shift on a dime when it comes to foreign policy anyway. There is a certain humor in the fact that the media are very upset that Trump is now talking about a troop drawdown in Iraq and Afghanistan. And this prompted CNN's Brianna Keeler to rip Trump for this, say this is very bad. Now, I'm old enough to remember when Barack Obama pledged a troop drawdown in Iraq, did it, and created ISIS. I'm old enough to remember when he pledged a troop drawdown in Afghanistan and was, it, and was negotiating with the Taliban. And you know what the media said then? What a forward-thinking foreign policy leader. Now, CNN's like, how dare Trump do this exact same thing Joe Biden and Barack Obama pushed? Who does this? Who drops something like this in the lap of an incoming president? No one other than Donald Trump. I think what he's trying to do is go through his bucket list, quite honestly, and saying, you know, he promised to get out of these wars and he was going to do it. And uh, Jake Tapper okay, can was. I, can I, but Gloria, yeah. can we just be yeah. clear on that? He's not getting out of these wars. That's right. I mean, that's he's, right. It's he's not just like withdraw- he's ending it. <laughs> He's just, right. he's just handicapping the next guy who has to deal with it. I mean, who, who is going, who would do something like this? Who would say, for example, in the last month of an administration, push forward a UN resolution completely upending all previous conventional wisdom about Israeli claims to, for example, Jerusalem? Who would do that by abstaining from a UN resolution? Oh, wait, Barack Obama did that in the last month, just as a parting shot at Bibi Netanyahu and, and the Jews. So, yeah, spare me, spare me. God, the, the, these media folks, they, they got to they gotta be replaced. Go over to Daily Wire. Dot com, get a true narrative, join a bunch of other services, stop, so, cut your cable. Enough of this. All right, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Our associate producers are Nick Sheehan and Rebecca Doyle. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Georgia discovers 2,600 missing votes from a pro-Trump county. Experts tell Biden to cancel Thanksgiving. 
And Dr. Fauci tells President Trump to concede for public health. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So... I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 